Hello and welcome to episode two of Meet Businesswomen Masterclass podcast. This masterclass was originally delivered on Zoom and is available for you to watch back at any time on our website. Just log into your members portal. In this session, we explore the imposter phenomenon with Julia Philpott, how to recognise it, its impact on your work and career, and what you can do to manage it. So let's meet our host. Julia Philpott has been an executive coach for 14 years and has particular expertise in working with women in male-dominated sectors. As well as running her own coaching business, Julia is head of coaching for Management Futures, a global coaching and leadership development consultancy. Julia has a master's diploma in executive coaching and a first class degree in psychology. We really hope you enjoy this masterclass podcast on the imposter phenomenon. Thank you, Rebecca. I'm um, really pleased to be here this morning. Thank you for joining me uh, on this masterclass on the imposter phenomenon. Um, It's great to meet you across the screen. We were just talking about how nice it is to be able to come to these meetings and still be wearing your slippers. Um, I'm going to share my screen. Um, So we're going to be talking this morning about the imposter phenomenon. And just to take you through the agenda, after a brief introduction to me, we're going to be exploring a definition of the imposter phenomenon and some of the the symptoms that we notice with it. We're also going to be looking at um, how the imposter phenomenon is different from common or garden self-doubt, which isn't to minimise self-doubt because it can be very debilitating. But um, what is it that makes the the imposter phenomenon more than just um, questioning ourselves? I'm going to cover something called the imposter cycle, which is this idea that the imposter phenomenon can be a bit of a vicious circle. Um, So what can we do to break ourselves out of this circle? And then uh, we're going to do, you're going to do an exercise, which is the antidote to the imposter phenomenon. So that you've got some techniques to take away from the session to help you. Uh, And there will be time for questions at the end. So who am I? Why should you listen to me talking about the imposter phenomenon? So as Rebecca shared, um, I've got a background in corporate leadership development and uh, qualified as an executive coach 14 years ago, set up my own business, JP Leadership Coaching. And these are some of the organisations that I've had the pleasure of working with in that time, plus many whose logos you won't recognise, lots of smaller organisations as well. Uh, I think this is relevant, though, to pull out that there are a number of uh, automotive brands there. And I've done quite a lot of work with Toyota as well. And Toyota isn't there. But um, so, and I, I've worked with a number of people from your industry. I've got a couple of coaches um, that through Meet Business Women. Um, so I know your, your industry a little bit, but I know the automotive sector really well. And I can I, there are a lot of crossovers in terms of it's a very male dominated industry it's a quite a traditional industry so I wanted to um, share that I I do understand your world quite well Uh, and as Rebecca said I'm I run my own business but I'm fortunate enough to have what we call a portfolio career so I also um, as an associate head up um, the coaching at Management Futures, which is a global organisation. So it just means that I get to have my finger in lots of different pies. So what is 
the imposter phenomenon. So it was developed in the 1970s by a couple of academics who were researching other academics in their field and they were noticing these um, similar experiences and symptoms coming through. And they described it as an internal experience of intellectual phoniness and or the absence of an internal experience of success. So it's that feeling that someone's going to come and tap you on the shoulder and say, there's been a terrible mistake, you're not the right person for the job, which is a really heavy and uncomfortable burden to be carrying while we're just trying to do the very best that we can. And the symptoms, the key symptoms that we notice with the imposter phenomenon are perfectionism. So needing to do everything 110% and really not being able to let go. Fear of failure. So not just mildly concerned about how things will turn out, but you know, having real anxiety about the outcomes, the consequences. An inability to be able to accept praise and to um, recognise our own successes. And interestingly, a fear of success. So actually not wanting to, to be accredited with, with success. And interestingly, the imposter phenomenon is something that is more prevalent in women. Less so now, I'm noticing more and more men coming along to these seminars, but um, it has always been more associated with women. And I, and I think there are a number of reasons here. So perfectionism and fear of failure we are conditioned by society, all of us, in certain ways, the way we're brought up, the expectations that society has of us. And it is much more acceptable for little boys to come home from playing in the garden with, you know, mud all over them and scratches and, and torn clothes and all of that. Whereas we don't, we kind of expect, perhaps not now, but certainly in the um, generations when some of us were growing up, girls are expected to stay neat, be pretty, not make a fuss, be sweet. And so you could kind of see um, when we're conditioned in that way over years by society that we, we will have tendencies to want to be perfect and to, and to not want to fail. It's much more acceptable for the, for the boys, for the, for the men to do that. And similarly, discounting praise and success and fear of success. We find it as a society, both women and men, much more acceptable for men to be ambitious and to want to achieve and be successful and to want to win. And we can sometimes find that a little bit unladylike in women. Not not my uh, ideas, thoughts, but um, that that is what we know from research. That it's much more accept acceptable for women, uh, men, to strive for success. So, if you're experiencing some of these symptoms, uh, it's important to know that um, there's nothing wrong with you. It is a lot to do with how we are conditioned, and that is something that we can change. And an important point about the phrase imposter phenomenon actually um, you may sometimes hear it called the imposter syndrome 
they are the same thing. Um, the original researchers named it the imposter phenomenon and, and they don't like it being called a syndrome because a syndrome suggests that it's a, a medical condition that needs treatment and it isn't. It's, it's a collection of behaviours, a collection of uh, symptoms that we can do something about. So I'm a bit of a pedant. I call it the phenomenon, but I'm not going to beat anybody up if they refer to it as a syndrome. OK. So there's that picture. I'm going to invite you to uh, get engaged again. So I've shared a little bit about what what the world of academia call the imposter phenomenon and, and how they refer to it. But what I'd like you to do is to consider your own experience of the imposter phenomenon. So when do you notice it? What sort of things do you experience when you notice it? And what are the talk tracks that play in your head? So we often have these little dialogues going on in our head, little conversations that we have with ourselves. So probably something around, you know, oh, what am I doing here? I'm not the right person for this. I'm not smart enough, whatever it might be. Just have a think about what some of those talk tracks might be. Some of the themes that were coming out of there uh, are self-doubt. And, and that comes up a lot in coaching. And it, it's the thing that probably holds most people back it's not that they don't know how to do something it's that they've got these they question themselves and their ability so what makes the imposter phenomenon more than self-doubt and what I've noticed through um, the, all the coaching that I've done is that self-doubt sits with the individual so it can be something that um it's almost a habit that we've got into, uh, and it can be because we've had you know, difficult experiences in our uh, formative years, it could be because we've worked for a very challenging boss. Um, but that, that self-questioning can happen, and there is something that we could do about it. What makes it the imposter phenomenon, as we saw in some of those comments, is the, the context, the situation that you're in. So somebody said, I feel it when I move into a new job. Um, the, uh, coming back from maternity. So there's something about the situation that you are in that makes it pop up, that makes you feel like an imposter. So it's really important to understand what is it that is making me feel an imposter here? Interestingly, um, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes, the two professors who developed the imposter phenomenon, they were working in a field that was extremely male-dominated. Um, it was very rare to have senior women in academia. I mean, it was less than 30 years prior that women weren't actually allowed to take a degree. They were allowed to do the studying and to do the exams, but the universities wouldn't actually confer a degree onto them. Um, it was not until 1948 that Cambridge University actually allowed women to, to accept a degree. So less than 30 years later, here are these two professors working in this very male-dominated environment. And so they were imposters. When they experienced fear of failure, perfectionism, fear of success, it was because 
they felt like they were the odd one out. <laughs> and when we feel like we're the odd one out, we need to notice that because that can we can learn to harness that because it means that we bring a different perspective. So if you're new in your role, you bring perspective of not being down in the weeds like everybody else is because they've been there for some time. So you can you can ask questions that other people can't. If you're, as I suspect many of you are, the only female in quite a male-dominated team, you bring a perspective that no one else in the room will have. So there's something about noticing what makes you feel an imposter and turning that into your superpower. The other thing that you need to do is to be really clear about what it is that you bring. So uh, if I share a personal example of this, I'll just take the slides down to the stone. Um, <clears throat> I play the oboe and I play in a couple of local orchestras and the, the tradition if you are not able to make it to an orchestra rehearsal is that you get someone along to, to fill in for you. Um, I suppose it's a bit like you, know, you can't have a can't have a netball team without the goal shooter so if, if you can't have an orchestra rehearsal without the first oboe part and a, a colleague of mine one of my other orchestras asked me she can't make it to rehearsal she asked me if I would cover for her and if I would cover for her in the the Red Hill Symphonia which is one of the most prestigious amateur orchestras in the country so it's still amateur but they um, and immediately I started to have those imposter feelings you know I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be good enough why she asked me um, and then I thought to myself, but what, what am I bringing that um, nobody else can bring? Well, first of all, I'm bringing the fact that I play the oboe. There aren't that many of us. She hasn't been able to find somebody else. I have had feedback in the past that some people prefer my tone and the way that I play to hers, even though she's probably a more experienced player. And apart from anything else, I'm there. I'm available. <laughs> there isn't going to be a gap in the music when the oboe should be playing. So I was able to think about, well, what am I bringing to this situation to help me when the imposter phenomenon comes and taps me on the shoulder to just say, thank you very much, but I've got this. Okay, I've got a couple more slides and then I'm going to get you involved doing an exercise. So this, I said I was going to talk about the imposter cycle, uh, and this feeds into uh, someone's comment about not being able to accept praise. Slightly complex flowchart, so I'll take you through it box by box. When we are asked to um, take on a, a task, those of us that experience the imposter phenomenon, often the first thing that we experience is this, this self-doubt. And anxiety. And what that means is we can take one of two parts. Either we massively over-prepare, do way too much work for what's actually required, or, or this happens slightly less, but it does happen, we get overwhelmed by everything that, that we've got to do and we procrastinate. So we tend to perhaps leave things till the last minute. What we, we accomplish the task, 
And normally we don't just accomplish, accomplish it, we, we nail it. But instead of feeling um, proud of our success, our typical feeling is one of relief. Oh, thank goodness, I managed to pull it off. Which means that when we get the positive feedback, which we do, we are not able to accept it and internalize it because we attribute our success either to the huge amount of effort that we put in or to luck if we kind of left things till the last minute. What we don't do is attribute our success to any of the skills, strengths, talents, qualities, attributes that we brought to that situation, which means that we then have this sense of feeling a bit of a fraud, increased self-doubt, and so the cycle starts again. So you can see that if we can learn to notice what it is that we're bringing to a situation and really feel proud of our contribution and our skills and strengths, we're able to take on that positive feedback, which means the cycle can't start again. It means that when we're asked to do another task in the future, we can say, oh, that feels a little bit challenging, but you know what? I've got skills and strengths and talents that I can bring to this project. Yes, I can do this. Just a final comment about what we were seeing there in terms of attributing things to effort and to luck was something we call attribution patterns. And people who experience the imposter phenomenon and self-doubt tend to attribute failure and mistakes to themselves. They take it all very personally. It's all my fault. It, it had to be something that I did wrong. And we attribute success, on the other hand, to luck, to other people, or to circumstances. So we were lucky with the timing, or the weather, or the group that we had. And I, that next comment, I was fortunate enough to have a really supportive boss. I can't tell you how many times I've heard women in particular say that, as if the only reason they've ever been promoted is because they had a boss that was supportive. Uh-uh. You know, if you're promoted, it's because you did a damn good job and you've got the potential to go on and do a really another really good job. You may have had a supportive boss. That's great. All bosses should be supportive. So what we need to learn to do is to not, not personalize mistakes. Okay, this isn't about um, not accepting responsibility. We can always say, yeah, there were some things that I could have done differently. But we also need to be thinking about, well, but what were the other things that were outside of my control? What were the situational factors? What other explanations might there be so that we're not always just taking it on ourselves? And similarly, as I've banged on a little bit about already, we need to notice what are the skills and strengths that I brought to this situation? And what are the, because they're the constants that I can rely on the next time. Just have a think about whether you uh, would like to share, you know, actually take your like, mute off and, and share with the group, um, with your voice, what your experience was. I would say um, it was surprising how similar our answers were. 
can you just can you just wait until I think we've got everybody back whoever that was thank you so much for sharing <laughs> but we're not quite all back we've got 10 seconds before everyone's back in the room who, who was that lovely person who shared it was it was Amanda Wally Amanda thanks Amanda so we're just Hi. we're just um asking what everyone's experience was and we've just got a couple of minutes to be able to share so Amanda go ahead yeah I was, we were surprised at how similar our answers were um, we, we both came up with very similar, so which we, we found quite strange, really. So, yeah. um, and uh, on one of them, we said the one thing people have said that they value about us was um, our knowledge and our experience that we have. Right. And we both came up with the same answer. And how did it feel to be talking about things that you're good at, either Amanda or someone else, if you want to stick your electronic? Oh, Kim. Kim has. I, w- I was in the group uh the breakout with amanda and i can reiterate that we were very like-minded in what we were saying um which felt very strange because everything was so positive but we put ourselves in this box of feeling negative yeah. in terms of the imposter you know our own anxiety and the imposter syndrome so yeah and, and we we do that and it's it is just a habit so if we can learn uh, the opposite habit which is to start to notice the things that we do well we were having a little conversation in in our group Sam and Rebecca and me about how we uh, well Rebecca would you mind sharing what you which one of you was it said at the end of the conference I think it might have been Sam actually um, about taking taking compliments at the end of a conference yeah so the conference that we've just had it went really well and um, people were coming up saying it was fantastic and instant instantly you start to go you start to pull out the faults that we knew ha- had happened potentially but nobody else knew about them so we were already working on the things that we were going to correct for next time so we would follow up and say oh yes thank you but um, rather than take the actual compliment and so I'm not suggesting that we don't do that continuous improvement bit but it's also about recognizing what did go well what I do bring what strengths I do have and then thinking about well what do I want to improve um one more one more comment we've got time for anyone want to share what that the the experience of that exercise Andrea yeah I think it was um, quite difficult. It's quite difficult to sit down and actually think about yourself in that way. Um, and um, we had a really great discussion, actually. I think, was it Kate? I think I was with Kate. Um, and we had uh, a really interesting discussion about how some of us read the questions differently and not always in a positive way. So that was quite interesting. So, yeah, I think it was, it was it's difficult to sit there and write down your strengths I think in this first thank you Andrea in in this first iteration but if if you learn to do it more regularly what it also means is that you notice those strengths when you're using them so you might notice that uh, let's think of a strength on I was working with someone who said that they knew that they were getting better at managing people and she then fed back. And now that I'm doing when I'm doing it, I notice that. And that's a really great confidence booster for me. So um, I would encourage you to, to keep the exercise and, and do it again. 
perhaps ask some other people what they would say about you um and just so that you're gradually building up this um stock of what your your strengths and skills are okay, i'm noticing the time i need to finish up so <clears throat> it's just a short recap really of what it is we've covered so we've talked about the um what the definition of the imposter phenomenon is and some of the, the common symptoms and, and how it might be more than self-doubt and the role that context plays in that. Uh, the imposter cycle demonstrates how if we can learn to recognise our strengths and actually take that positive feedback on board, uh, we can step out of this, uh, this vicious circle. And then, uh, as I said, the antidote to the imposter phenomenon is to be really clear about the strengths and skills that we bring. Just before we pop into the Q&A, I wanted to leave you with three key messages. So um, make your imposter feelings your superpower. Whatever it is that's making you feel like an imposter, it means that you bring a different perspective to that organisation, to that group. Empower yourself by recognising your strengths. So the exercise that we've just done, keep doing it. And um, Build yourself a posse. So um, when we are impost feel impostery, it's because we feel a bit like we're the odd one out. And somebody said at the beginning of this session that they wanted to have reassurance that they weren't the only one feeling this. We all feel this. So if you are feeling a bit like you, you, you're experiencing imposter phenomenon, pick up the phone, have a Zoom call with somebody and say, can I just check this out with you? We don't need to suffer in silence and I think the whole homeworking thing means that we're probably doing that more than we used to so use this network use your informal networks and and build yourself a posse to build up that that uh, self-confidence and your strengths meet business women is the global professional network for women working across the meat industry our mission is to connect women working in every role driving positive change and providing a support network like no other Visit meetbusinesswomen.org to find out more.